believe during the war that they used to cover up almost all the light except the little tiny hole which made the tiniest little glow. Which hole where? In the tram lights and train lights. Oh, you mean on the front panel, front, the no, headlight? No, inside. Yeah? So that there was only the very faintest of glows from them, so that, you know... Well, apparently they, they just, they did that to it, they put out all the street lights and your car lamp had to be painted black and all this stupid thing and mm. your bicycle lamp, how ridiculous. I've read a, we've got a book of regulations here and it says your bicycle lamp has to be, you know, you've got to cut a bit of cardboard with a two-eighth slit through it, you know, as if they're not dull enough already. <laughs> they see this dim, dim light going along the road the Japanese go, oh, ha, we must bomb, but in the United. Yes, because you wouldn't be able to have a fluorescent tube up on top of your tower. No, because then they'd just think it was a branch and bomb him. Yeah, it must have been awkward when there was all, everything was dark. Two and bombs and all. You couldn't have, um, you couldn't have, uh, you know, lights in your car and... Yes, I can imagine walking around the street, apparently, of course, there were quite a few consequences of having all the lights off. I can imagine. Uh, it wasn't very good at all to be at, at not night. The, not not that the old incandescent street lamps did any good anymore. <laughs> yes, I can hardly imagine it would have... It must have been terrible. On their swirly little... On the super wrought iron, jazzed up <laughs> designs. Yeah. <laughs> it used to light up the pole and that was about all. <laughs> yes. It's a 40 watt lamp. <laughs> That's right. I remember they changed them around and they, they, they were just 40 watt lamps in them. Actually, this I haven't. There are a few places now which aren't fluorescent or something better. What a difference just having a fluorescent light. <laughs> yeah, mm. that's for sure. The other ones, they didn't really put any light. They just put an indicator, so you wouldn't drive into the pole. <laughs> if you stood underneath, you might be able to look at a newspaper, the headlines. But I remember now off when we had them down the street here. They weren't particularly bright at all, actually. Quite dull. They weren't very standards. John John Bright. No. Who got the snake? <laughs> um, yes. Of course, I used to have little street lamp poles in Huntley Station with little shade things. That's right. I remember when they ripped them out and put in the fluorescent ones. That's right. And they just had the old poles hanging in the, in, on the grass. We actually brought one home because they were just lying there. What? A shade? After they got ripped out, yeah. Mm. I would have liked to have um, got a whole, got the whole set of poles and put you know, street lamps in the backyard or something. Up and down the driveway. <laughs> yeah, put every ten feet and light them up at night and <laughs> have the Grand Huntley signs all on them. I remember they were just sort of lying around outside the station for a while. And they had these official insulator things on them. Yes, that's right. Would have been good to just stick them up and down the driveway. <laughs> Would have looked a laugh. <laughs> uh, With 22 watt lamps in them or something. Yes. Incandescent light globes. How ridiculous. Yes, I can imagine what it must have been like walking through Caulfield Racecourse in the middle of the war. Well, there's no lights in there now because they always get smashed, smashed by the vandals. Oh, but there's a fair bit of light, residual light. Yeah. Comes in from uh, 
all the main roads around about. It would have been quite dark. Of course, I realise now that blacking out the city was pretty hopeless. Because it weren't likely to get bombed anyway. Well, there's that thing, and also they had, you know, they could just beam on and beam into the mission stations or something. Yeah, that's a point. Um, yeah, they should have just had no radio transmissions. Yes. Because, I mean, it must, must have been, couldn't have been hard to to uh, <laughs> work out what stations were where. Mm. And they keep mentioning their location all the time. Uh, but just good navigation could also get them... Oh, yes, yes. I think... What, what, they used to remove the signs from stations, didn't they? That's right. In case a spy got him, he wouldn't know where he was. <laughs> I mean, maps must have been so freely available. Yeah. Japanese maps of Melbourne. The UBD Japanese map of Melbourne. And, um... He could probably work it out for himself. It must have made it rather difficult for somebody who was out of Melbourne to come and visit. try and find their way around. Mm. But I suppose that was the price you paid. Yes. Because you used to have an air raid shelter in your backyard, didn't you? Yes. Mm. Which must have been fun. We had one in ours too, but it's never been there since I can re remember. No, I can't ever remember it being here. I think it got filled in almost straight after the war. It wasn't an asset to have in your backyard, I suppose. You could make a little missions room down there. <laughs> you, you, you I suppose a lot of homes had them, actually. Oh, yes. Just in case they <clears throat> they came. I wonder, you know, you, you see films of London and everything. They had sirens stuck in every street. Mm. I wonder if they had them here. Oh, yes, there were sirens. There's the siren for this area was at the tramways, you know, the Glen Huntley tram depot on that tank tower. Tank. Uh, is that tank, the water tank tower still there? I don't think it is. There was a big tower with a water tank on top of it. Was and there were sirens up there. Ah. And apparently one day somebody got their car horn stuck down that area and then they thought <laughs> there was a, a raid. <clears throat> But uh, that's what they used to test the sirens out on Sunday mornings or something. Ah, see. Oh, that's interesting. Because I, I can never remember seeing pictures of, of Melbourne and street poles with sirens stuck on them or anything. They just had speakers with 3KZ written on them. <laughs> Down at all the beach, yes. uh, But apparently, I've got this book we've got of um, air raid precautions for householders. Has it got a list of where they are? Well, it's got a list of sirens of what. It's like a continuous siren mean there's a bomb falling and uh, oh, bleeps sorry. mean that the gas is escaping and all this sort of thing. Mm. And uh, it's all just uh, tells you what to do with the incendiary bombs when they fall into your house. <laughs> and, uh, Don't touch them. Well, you have to touch them. You've got to go and get a shovel and dig it and throw oh. dirt on it because it starts to burn your house. It just sits there and does burns. Oh, I see. And um, all the other things, like if there's, you know... Gas and everything, don't smoke. Quite <laughs> obvious things like that that you may not think about. But would you think about getting out your book of what to do and what not? Oh, you're supposed to learn it before these things happen. I see, they do a test on you initially. That's right. That's and you're supposed to cease crossband missions when the siren comes on. I see. Would you pay attention to the siren, please? The matter is extremely urgent. <laughs> yes. Ah, 
Uh, that was funny today when we did that try to work out what your mission was doing. And then when you... Well, I wonder how far that siren would have got then. Oh, apparently it's pretty loud. Imagine living right next door to it, though. You, you'd get rather... The tram depot. What a funny place to put it. I suppose there's nowhere else to put it. Well, there's a big high tower there that uh, could spread out. I wonder how how often they were along the place. Oh, not very often, I don't think. Because I, I, I'd imagine by the time you got to Warmond or something, you wouldn't be able to hear it. Oh, there might have been another one on the webs. Radio tower. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. yes, we say evening to you too. Testing out the air raid siren. The air raid siren here. Hmm. Quite amazing, anyhow. The. Uh, I wonder if they were wind up ones or not. Well, they might have been electronic, electrical, motor driven things. Mm. With a. So the little tram conductors didn't have to run up the tower and start cranking this handle. Yeah. That'd be a fun thing to have a hand-cranked siren. You could give it, you know... Well, um... While certain people are on the air, you just sit outside and crank the handle. Of course, everyone has electronic ones now that make these ghastly noises. Yeah, some of them make horrible noises. They sound like, you know, the Gestapo's coming to get you or something like that. Yes, yeah, because they always go off the wrong times. That's right, like the ones down the street here. <laughs> they could be listening, in fact. Won't go into that anymore, I don't think. Who's might be listening? Yes, they could just be... We could be getting breakthrough on their $10 billion stereo in each room. And their... Their car receivers and their... Their five new model... Whatever expensive car they've got this time of the year. <laughs> their, their roof might be resonating to 160 metres. Or well, their swimming pool might be uh, bubbling with, with the RF. Like a, a Burko heater electric jug. <laughs> That's right. I'll certainly be popular with them if uh, if they were doing listens. <laughs> but they have come up here occasionally to, to mention about furance that they do here. Mm. So, uh, not that I've got anything against that sort of timber, but uh, who knows. <sighs> Yeah, anyway, that's quite interesting little missions we just had there. There's a funny hiss coming on. Yeah, I think your mission is getting weaker and weaker. Uh, uh. Isn't it?